Good day, listeners. Welcome to Startup Kitchen Talk, where we discuss startup apprentices becoming master chefs. My today guest is general partner at Credo Ventures, who knows and who have lived all the meanings of the word runaway. Um, meaning the period for which a startup has funding, fashion show uh, runways, and I guess airport run- runways <laughs> as well, because she flew here all the way from Turkey today, yesterday. Uh, oh, I, I've been here for a couple days already, couple but days. I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> leaving tomorrow. So another runway for tomorrow. Karolina Moroskova, welcome to Startup Kitchen Talk. Thank you so much, Kate. Uh, what brought you to Czech Republic? Uh, what brought me to Czech Republic this time? Uh, credo. <laughs> I come Except here. for this podcast, of uh, course. Yeah, and this <laughs> podcast, of course. Uh, I mean, we planned it around it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I come here these days. Uh, obviously, we have uh, our headquarters on Karlovo Namiesti. Uh, and I come here once a, once a month for a week or so to spend time with the team, you know, to meet people, uh, do a bunch of events, things like that. Mm-hmm. But mostly you're remote, but uh, then you have like all meetings here in Prague. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't say I have all meetings here in Prague. I have meetings every day and, uh, and most of them are on Zoom. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I work remotely quite a bit, um, but that's that's quite normal. I mean, we cover uh, that we cover all of CEE. Yeah, and you can't so, be everywhere. You can be everywhere and you can take all meetings in person because sure. obviously people that we meet are in, you know, they're not only in Bucharest, Sofia and all the uh, sort of Central Eastern European cities, but they're sometimes in the US, they're in Australia. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we cover, we basically invest in uh, Eastern European or Central Eastern European founders that live everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, now you live in Turkey, but uh, to my knowledge, Credo doesn't invest there. Uh, so why Turkey? What's That's there? right. Um, so I moved, uh, well, I spent quite a bit of time in the US, right? And I moved back to Europe uh, about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, Istanbul is definitely not the most obvious destination. And as it usually is with these kind of places and these kind of moves, it's love. So my oh, boyfriend, yes, it is. Um, so my boyfriend's Turkish or mm-hmm. Turkish-American. And uh, we we met and, and spent some time together in the U.S. And then we wanted to come back to Europe. And obviously I, uh, you know, got the opportunity to jo- join Credo. So we moved to Istanbul. So a loveful venture brought you to Europe and another kind of love brought you to Turkey. Oh, that's, that's right. That, that's very <laughs> lovely. Uh, but you are now operating in Europe and you came back here after 12 years you spent in New York. Um, did you have to, after those uh, 12 years, did you have to build your network from the scratch or um, had you been working on it uh, before? Yeah, so um, I was, yeah, I, I spent five years, right, at a, um, I mean, 12 years in the U.S., the last five years at a fund called White Star Capital. Yeah. I was, White Star is a more of a sort of global platform, actually. <clears throat> But um, uh, I was in the New York office and I was covering North America. And so, of course, most of my network over the five years I built in the U.S., Of course, I'm, I also met like a bunch of uh, European uh, investors. Um, I met Credo in 2018 mm-hmm. um, and I, I knew, I would say, almost everyone uh, or a lot of the people from the team. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I was building network uh, everywhere, but I wouldn't say that my network in, the, in, in Europe has been uh, extremely deep, right? Mm-hmm, Because mm-hmm. it wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't the, the network that I really 
had to work with uh, on a day-to-day basis. And so, yeah, building a network from scratch, <laughs> it's a lot of work. I mean, it's been its been a year now, uh, definitely still working on it. I spend a lot of time meeting uh, investors. I was traveling all over the place uh, mm-hmm. the, last, the last year, you know, to all of the sort of local events, also London, to meet uh, more London-based VCs. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a lot of work and and it it just takes time. You know, yeah, but it's a lot of work, a lot of events. Like I mean, we discussed yeah. this before we start shooting the podcast. Uh, so how did you how do you choose what event you are you know what people you are meet, meeting or what event you are joining because you can't mm. you, that's not you can't do Pokemon on that because you yeah. you you just can't have it all. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I definitely went like head first into it the first year I was mm-hmm. like I'll just try and go to anything, anything and everything right like I'll I'll spend the time I'll uh bet on serendipity I'll try to just go there and see how it is and you know if it if it's not that helpful or if it's not that good next time I'm I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna know better and I'm not gonna go I'm gonna go right mm-hmm. so um yeah I uh you know we we're choosing It's a little bit, we always try to like cover with Credo uh, a lot of the events, try to send at least one person, right? So sometimes I will go next year, Matej will go or Honza or Ondra, you know, anyone uh, from our team. So um, so yeah, I would say we also try to optimize because everything like, you know, the life of a, of VC, of a, of a VC investor is like the, the hardest time still after you know, that many, it's not really that many. I mean, there's going to be more years. Five years in context of VC is really not that long or six at this point. Um, but uh, the hardest thing for me is like time management, right? And yeah. choosing what you're going to do with it uh, because you can do, you know, you wake up and you can do so many things, right? I mean, okay, you wake up, you already probably have your day scheduled, but like you can schedule your days in so many ways. You can go somewhere, you can try to meet investors, you can try to meet companies, you can maybe just have a free day and do reading, right? So, Um, every decision that you make is an opportunity cost of doing something different. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, you know, me kind of going all over the place and to all these events has definitely uh, been a cost on other activities, right? Like deal sourcing, let's say, or reading up on different sectors and stuff like that. But like you kind of have to make these trade-offs and, you know. You mentioned Credo joining like now, like joining various events. Is that a new thing? Because I'm not that, you know, that long in the industry. But at the same time, I, of course, heard about Credo. It was the first thing you probably hear about when you're joining the ecosystem. At the same time, you know, they they didn't go that often anywhere. You wouldn't see them as a partner for events. I feel that that, that kind of changed. Is that my, do you have something to do with that? Or is that... Uh, you know, like now you see Cradle doing more PR, more events, etc. So uh, is that is that it might be just my perspective. Mm-hmm. It's very subjective. It's not based sure. on any real data. But I've got this feeling. Do you have it as well, or is that uh, coincidental? Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, we always joke. Okay, I've been with Credo for a year, but I agree, like, you wouldn't see Credo doing, like, you know, crazy marketing pushes. And I think we're still pretty terrible at marketing. Like, we don't do much. We, you know, don't blog. None of us 
blog or Twitter or something like that. So, but I always <coughs> thought it's like purpose, you know, that you don't need to do so many vlogs, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, Instagram about VCs. That it's kind of like we don't need to do this because we. They, you know, I'm now now I'm making the marketing for you, <laughs> but you uh-huh. can always say, "Oh, we have the results." Yeah, I mean, of course, you always <laughs> want to have the results, but like we haven't had them, you know, in 2012 or 13 or 14. Yeah, sure. Um, sure, like when you have when you have the results, like it's much easier to maybe like go around without without <laughs> much marketing. But uh, I don't even think that this is intentional. We're just pretty bad at it. Like <laughs> we just suck at marketing. <laughs> Uh, and we try to improve it, right? Like I think the events are, um, you know, we're 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 experimenting. Uh, I think one incredible event that I actually experienced last year for the first time with Credo is our Founder Summit. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We all we always put tons of effort into it. Of course, it's not an externally facing uh, event. Uh, it's internal. <laughs> I hope our founders love it. I mean, we got great feedback. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was great. Uh, great, you know, super well organized, great content. So that's that's one of the events that we do. We put a lot of effort in, but sort of the other ones we try to, you know, I support other people's events. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe eventually we'll get into organizing a couple of our own. Yeah, but we, we are <laughs> definitely we are happy to see Credo yeah. more often and and uh, have them in our podcast. So we already mentioned about uh, the White Star Capital that you uh, worked for five years. It's a really big name um, in New York, uh, and now you're working in the CE ecosystem. So what is the biggest difference in the startup ecosystem across the ocean? You know, Big Apple to um, Check Plump. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, there is, of course, a big difference, right? Uh, The U.S. is a much more mature ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Um, You have, like, a multiple, uh, you know, uh, of the number of companies that you have here. I wouldn't even say just Czech Republic, like, you know, the whole sea region or Europe collectively. Um, per capita, you mean you still have like uh, way more companies? I don't have the numbers per capita, yeah. to be honest, but probably. Probably, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, still, because like if yeah. you put all of Europe together. Yeah. Now, pardon my knowledge, but I think yeah. it's still probably bigger yeah. in population. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's definitely much more mature. Um, and I'm really happy that I actually started my career there because, mm-hmm. of course, you kind of, you know, you go from sort of like a bigger, more mature ecosystem that has like more, I would say, sophisticated processes or whatever you want to, mm-hmm. you know, call it. Um, and like you learn from the best people, you know, you're surrounded by because, of course, like New York or San Francisco, like really is a pool for the best talent. So it's a great place mm-hmm. to start. Um, but to be honest, like, I'm really excited about being uh, being back in Europe because my perspective is that, you know, like, what's VC about, really? Like, VC is about catching trends early before they're obvious and big, mm-hmm. right? Um, before they're you, cool. Yeah, and US is obvious and big. Um, and I feel like... The CE, like if we really, if we compare the momentum and if we compare the growth, I feel like there's so much more potential here. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's hard and it's like, uh, it's it's not um, as much of a connected and um, it's still a very fragmented uh, ecosystem. 
<clears throat> but um but but yeah i mean for, in terms of opportunity i mean i i'm i'm super excited and bullish on Uh, yeah, and I really like that comparison, like that uh, in its essence and is by its definition, the the more risky venture, like it's in Europe because of the not, not being as matured. Yeah. Um, you said, you know, matured, uh, more professional, uh, bigger talents or more uh, uh, quantity. Uh, talents, but at the same time, um, I've heard you talking about the uh, America like salesman culture. You know, big words, big promises, enormous mammoth valuations. Hmm. Is that something like uh, that? It's close to you, or are you more like conservative uh, in that sense? Uh, I mean, I'm Czech, right? So <laughs> <laughs> even after 12 years, salesmanship is not like what I was born to. Um, no, I mean, um, so when I, it's funny because when I came to the US in 2010, I was like, it was a cultural shock for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was walking on the street, I came to a building and the doorman was asking me, you know, how are you? And I was like, why do you care? Like, <laughs> yeah. who are you? I don't know you. Uh, you know, everyone's smiling at you and and eventually you get into it, right? Like it's a, it's just a, it's a habit. It's a muscle memory. Um, and it's, and it's yeah, infectious. Yeah. And it's people infectious. People being nice. Yeah, people are nice. I mean, it's quite nice. <laughs> um, so, Uh, I got used to it, but still culturally, like I, I like, um, I like being real. I like people being real. I like uh, honesty, even if it's not nice. <laughs> um, so, so I, you know, it, it, I, and maybe even from sort of the founder perspective, it's much easier to. It's not it's not that easy because people are so good at bullshitting that it's not that easy to like see through it, right? Like they can sell you really like, you know, they can sell you anything. Um and so I like the sort of realness here people not making things for what they're not. Um And even in the pitches, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would say that even if I, okay, if I compare, let's say I started in, in VC in 2017 uh, with White Star. And, you know, despite my focus being North America, I was always spending some time with uh, companies in the region because, you know, because of my cultural language and everything. Mm-hmm. I was always interested to just like at least high level see what's what's going on. Um, and When I was speaking with uh, with founders and companies in 2017, and now we're only you know five six years in, um, seven now, um, like it's uh, it's a big difference. Like you know, people definitely got much better at pitching, at mm-hmm. selling you the idea, at building you know at at sort of selling the big vision uh, and everything. Before that, it was it was definitely much more raw. But still, you think that European founders and the CEO region is still more like. The founders are more real than uh, the salesman culture selling you anything in the US. Yeah. 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 Um, also, sometimes we hear about this, you know, crazy valuation coming from across the pond. Uh, maybe now it's a little calmed down, but still you can hear about, you know, um, six million dollar investment and I don't know 40 million dollar <laughs> valuation uh, uh-huh. before the startup startup is even getting any traction mm-hmm. um do you think that the local because yeah, of course the uh, local valuations are lower mm-hmm. do you think that it's also healthier this more conservative approach for sure 
Heck, like no question about it, right? Um, and honestly, like, because I did start my VC career in times where everything was going up, mm -hmm. right? And I've never really seen up until now what it means for the space to cool down. Um, and um, it's just not a healthy behavior because what happens from the company's start to the exit, it doesn't really matter so much, right? The, it, the exit at the end of the day is the result, right? And I think like people kind of lost track of that. Everyone was kind of chasing these paper valuations yeah. that are really meaningless. But then, um, I mean, they're not fully meaningless, obviously, but uh, but they don't really correlate with success as much, right? Or the end, uh, the, the end result uh, necessarily always. Um, and so... Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I got to be honest, a little bit disillusioned. Like I, the last two years, um, you know, we were all kind of working in, uh, you know, in at home, right, mm -hmm. in, in isolation. I was in the U.S. and uh, it was impossible. Like you, you know, the valuations are were getting crazier and crazier. Rounds are were getting closed like in no time. Founders were like living this insane in this insane idea that like, you know, they're get, making us a favor to invest in their in their startup. So like the relationship between investor and founder was like totally skewed. Um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, you were sort of like people wouldn't even speak to you sometimes. They were like, well, we'll close, closing tomorrow. Like if you want to take a look, you have to make a decision tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, it got it got pretty unhealthy um, and, and it got pretty scary because despite like when things look weird they're probably weird um and it really felt like it's unsustainable and mm -hmm. it was unsustainable um and i got a little bit scared around the the whole sort of um the whole asset class right mm -hmm. i was like what are we doing like we at the end of the day our job is to manage money and invested in things that make sense and that are potentially going to make a return, although obviously it's a very risky asset class and it doesn't always work out. Um, but this makes no sense. Like I saw, you know, a company that was pre-launch uh, and I know I was fighting for the deal. I loved the founder um, and uh, she she raised like a small pre-seed and pretty much six months later she was raising another round uh, without having launched. And... Um, I think the value. I think it was like a six at, like thirty six million dollar valuation. You know, something like that. Um, and we lost the deal to Tiger. I think, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, uh, so it was. Yeah, it was. It was kind of. It was kind of crazy. And but how do you how do you survive with your approach? You know, rational, even kind of healthy skeptic. How do you survive in U.S. in those conditions? Like, do you have to accept that game or are you trying to find some hidden gems that nobody else know, knows about? Because, you know, your approach seemed very healthy and un-American in that sense. So how did you survive in those five years? I mean, we barely made any deals, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, in retrospect, like we were really like as as sort of 
you know, non-partner investors, let's say, at the firm, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we were super frustrated, right? And we were like, I was talking to my partner, I was constantly like, you know, but we have to do these deals, right? Mm -hmm. Or with with our sort of inexperience about it and like hungry. And of course, as an investor, if you're not doing deals, like it's also your sort of career mm -hmm. opportunity cost, right? Like it's, you, you want to do deals because that sort of builds your track record as well. And, you know, you're hungry. That's sort of the fun part of the job. Um And he was like, yeah, but I mean, at what price, right? Like we, you know, we made, of course, some deals, um, but uh, but we lost a lot of deals. And, mm -hmm. and very often we lost them because of price. Um, and we were quite um, disciplined about it, mm -hmm. um, which was frustrating at that time. But now I'm, I'm really happy. Um, and finding gems and finding things that no one sees was pretty much impossible, right? Everyone saw everything, especially because everyone was sitting at home behind their computer and just, you know, banging out these sort of 30-minute Zoom calls mm -hmm. one after another. <laughs> so uh, it was pretty impossible to find something that, you know, no one else has uh, seen, seen before. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty tough. Uh, great lesson, though. And what was the like uh, the biggest or the stupidest bubble that you have seen burst? <laughs> like uh, from a from like a startup perspective. Yes, from startup. Uh, uh, WeWork was pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, WeWork was a uh, was a pretty uh, pretty interesting story. Did you ever right? had it on the um, table though? Like uh, to invest no, in it? No, 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 no. I mean, WeWork started in, yeah. I think when I when I joined White Star, they were already at mm -hmm. like Series B, yeah. C, right? But I saw it and I know investors who've done it, you know, and um, yeah. <laughs> uh, was yeah, a, but Andreessen still believes like um, uh, in the founder, right? He, he just yeah. invested in his new venture. Right. Right. We'll see how it works out <laughs> for them. <laughs> Let's see how that works. Yeah. Um, you didn't just jump across the ocean, you uh, kind of jump across the stages as well. Because Wildstar was later, later stage, I think AB. AB, AB mostly, yeah. yeah. And Credo is more early stage. It's not like you are not doing ABs mm -hmm. at all, but you are more more early stage focused. Mm -hmm. So what is more appealing? Like the be the wild beginnings or the wild, you know, after the wild uh, scaling? <laughs> um, I mean, at the end of the day, the job, the sort of day-to-day -day is very similar, right? Mm -hmm. So regardless of the of the stage that you invest in, you know, you still spend your days um, talking to a lot of people, talking to a lot of founders, a lot of VCs. Um, you're doing your, your reading, your diligence. Um, you know, so the days are... Uh, the days are similar, but of course, the stage that you invest in at the changes the characteristics of the deal a lot, mm -hmm. right? So, at the early stage, and I'm still kind of uh, fighting with that. Uh, you're you're working with way less information mm -hmm. uh, and so much more risk uh, in a way. Uh, so you have to be comfortable. Uh, you have to get comfortable with with the fact that like, you know, this is pretty risky um, and. You know, you obviously have to do as much as you can. I mean, we do still tons of diligence. This is not like we're, you know, uh, investing in nice people and uh, and cool ideas. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, for sure, you have to get, uh, get comfortable with with much more risk. Um, the deal sourcing process is, is definitely different uh, because you don't have any previous funding information mm-hmm. most of the time. Uh, I mean, sometimes in seed, you will have some companies that uh, raise like an angel round or a pre-seed round, let's say, because we invest up to seed or let's say even seed extension. Uh, but... Um, but yeah, like you, you, you have to hustle much more, um, and um, and it's definitely a, a lot of like network. You have to definitely definitely do more work around being out there, being top of mind for people, mm-hmm. uh, so that they send you stuff. Um, and um, I always think about even like every call that I have uh, with with founders, um, even if it's a pass for us, like it should be a great experience. Uh, you should leave a good impression because the number of founders who then send you other deals, potential deals, like every single conversation is like a marketing opportunity. <laughs> so that's the that's the that's the marketing uh, that's the marketing thing that we're doing, and of course, like you know, uh, you always represent Credo. You always represent your brand, mm-hmm. and and you know that's a responsibility. Not always does it work out, right? I mean, sometimes you have bad days and, you know, like you just don't rise up to the sort of occasion um, as you would like, but that's sort of human. Um, but yeah, so the, so the deal sourcing is definitely different. And um, yeah, I think yeah. that's sort of the main difference. And uh, how about um, working with the por- portfolio? Like Betty, when you're working with the founders, fresh founders or early stage versus the versus the later stage ones? Yeah, it's also definitely a little bit different because the needs uh, are different, right? Uh, so um, like, and it takes some time, like it takes much more patience and, and uh, you know, trust. Um, so... Uh, you know, I would say from, let's say, f- uh, at, at the later stages, companies already have much more sort of a muscle for, let's say, hiring, mm-hmm. you know, and they have more, their questions are more around commercialization, connecting them with potential partners, customers, right? And then sort of investors, future financing, all of that. Um Whereas in the early stages, I mean, often you even invest in a company that has two people and they need to hire, right? So there's a lot of focus around just sort of the early structuring of the firm. So I think for sure the sort of the people uh, function um, is what a lot of founders sort of ask for help with. Um, and are you open to it, like helping founders? Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to. That's a big part of our job. Um, I mean, not always are we. Not always can we, right? Like, I mean, there's you. You don't know, like, you know, I'm not gonna be able to hire those people for them. Uh, yeah. But we always try to even help with interviews if it's especially like a uh, a more Im- important role. They're hi- hiring for like an exec role. Uh, you help them with interviews and and sort of sense checking those those hires. Um, I mean, we have a talent function, um, and we try to sort of connect them with potential, you know, recruiters who can also help, um, you know, help the companies hire. Um, 
We have a network of experts that we try to connect them with um, around different issues, go to market, uh, growth, sales, you know, pricing. Um, yeah, I remember Andre sitting here where you said, yeah. and he was like uh, saying that he sometimes feel that uh, they um, that the current early stage founders sometimes need a lot of babysitting. Yeah, and then uh, sometimes that he feels slightly that once, once, once it was once not uh, Frank, uh, not um, more often, but mm, once he mm-hmm. felt, kind of felt betrayed by mm-hmm. how much he was uh, mm-hmm. uh, asked, and um, that the founder that he kind of felt that he was uh, lied to. So yeah. that, that that can happen as well, of course. Um, because of your fashion background, are you? closer to this vertical like you know because i know ai influencers or a fashion or socials etc do you feel closer to it or uh are you indifferent uh i'm indifferent uh yeah i'm indifferent i don't think that uh you know i understand the space that much i mean yes of course i will understand some i i saw let's say companies that were doing like uh, that we're trying to replace modeling agencies, you know, or... And you were like, uh, no, not going to happen. <laughs> exactly. No way. No AI models. I called Elite and I was like, is this going to work? And <laughs> they're like, no. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I've seen for sure a lot of startups that focused, let's say, on... Uh, the fashion talent industry. So mm-hmm. sure, I understand it. I was there. Um, but I mean, it happens rarely, right? Uh, I mean, Instagram wise, I don't feel like I've never, uh, I've never been an influencer. I was never working on my sort of uh, Instagram. So I, I don't consider myself like uh, a huge, um, you know, like, Let's like say social expert, expert, yeah. <laughs> expert on social. Um, although, yeah, I mean, I, I do understand it roughly, um, but I don't have preference. Let's say for mm-hmm. for these spaces. Um, yeah. So, but I, because I know that you invested in um, AI influencers and uh, we we tackle AI models, could that work yeah. ever? I think so. I mean, I, <laughs> we invested in it. Uh, although, obviously, I mean, the 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 thesis is constantly evolving, right? It's yeah. a very new space, um, and so you know, this was also very much of a, a a founder bet, right? Like we 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 trust the founder. I mean, he's uh, he has a lot of experience, and 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 I mean, we think that a great vision, um, but part of. Uh, Part of his job is also constantly iterating, right? On mm-hmm. the on on this because it's uh, it is a completely new vertical, uh, and I and I actually love seeing that uh, that you know you're not like static around your about your uh, about your product or what you're the building. Moving sense, like you're, yeah. yeah. You're constantly adjusting to what's going on uh, and what you're seeing, what's working, what's not working. And how deeply do you feel that you need to understand this? Like how deeply technological wise, so you are comfortable when you are dealing with the founder. How how deeply do you do you need to? Uh, I don't think I don't believe uh, that um, agnostic investors or sort of you know uh, not focused or uh, not sector focused investors uh, can be experts. In anything, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't think any of us really considers us ourselves being experts in any vertical. Um, you know that doesn't, of course, mean that we don't have that we don't build certain theses. Doesn't mean that we, you know, meet a founder and just like 
make a decision based on a gut feel or uh, like an uneducated uh, uh, subjective opinion. Um, I mean, so many times I'm in a call and I feel like I'm so clueless, right? Like this is mm-hmm. the first time I'm looking at this sector and I know nothing about it. Uh, and I'm I'm being super honest with the founders. I'm like, you know, explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and, you know, I very often start my question saying, you know, re- considering that I don't know much about it, this might be a stupid question, <laughs> but I'll <laughs> still ask it. Um, and... Um, and so, yeah, I don't think that we can be experts on anything. We know a little about a lot. Um, yeah. And uh, and who to and, ask. And we know who to ask. And yeah. of course, once we, you know, the first call is just about understanding the problem, meeting the person. It's so much about the people right at this stage. Uh, so, you know, getting the feel from the from the founder. And if you, you know, obviously, like you have these sort of some formulaic, you know, uh, experience, like let's say experiences and beliefs around certain sectors and business models and whatnot, sometimes that, you know, when you when you have too much of a square vision around some things like that can be bad. But let's say you get uh, you get excited about the company and then the work starts, right? Mm-hmm. Like you start doing a lot of yeah. diligence, you start reading up on the sector, market, competitors, like there's a lot of uh, like background work, a lot of desk work, um, and talking to experts, <clears throat> right? We always try to, you know, if we're looking at something, we're like, we, we need to talk to someone in logistics. Like, we don't know anything about logistics. This startup is doing something around logistics. So who do we have in our network? And, you know, it's a lot of sort of connecting to the right mm-hmm. people that you can speak to. We do have a couple of databases also um, where, uh, you know, we get, let's say, access to some expert calls or transcripts. Uh, so we try to also be, uh, you know, nimble about this. Um, and yeah, and and we try to sort of form a thesis. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I never, I, I don't think that we can ever understand the space better than the founder yeah, sure. does at the end of the day. And, and even when I'm then, let's say, sitting on a board and the founder's asking some questions, like I always try to make the sort of disclosure many times being like, you know, this might be my opinion, but this is not like an advice. And you should always just like make your own, op- like take it. Think something about it, you know, put it into your sort of knowledge basket, mm-hmm. uh, but don't take it as like, this is what I should be yeah, doing. But d- don't know? bullshit yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I already, and don't, yeah please. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, I already mentioned that we had uh, Andre here um, at the podcast and you and he's, you know, the f- the face and the founder um, of Credo. And it was so much fun. At the same time, I couldn't help but noticing that he has strong opinions on stuff about, you know, I remember, for example, young people, um, work-life balance, yoga, yoga practice for some reason, and flat white. Uh-huh. So uh, how, is to, how is it to work with Andre and do you, do you guys fight sometimes? Yeah, well, we fight all the time. All of us fight all the time. We're five partners. Both Andre and Jan are very strongly opinionated people, but so is Maciek, Guillaume and I, who are the three other partners. Uh, and so we fight all the time. We fought yesterday. Uh, 
you know, and then we fight, we make up. <laughs> it's like, uh, no, it's, 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 without, but it's great. Without, you know, revealing any details, uh-huh. uh, could you just uh, tell us how does it look like? Like, uh, what, what are the <coughs> topics you guys fight about? It is extremely respectful. I mean, I wouldn't mm-hmm. even say they're like fights. We're not yelling at each other, yeah, right? Sure. But we're very open about uh, disagreeing. Like, uh, you know, it's, you know, you, I say something and they're like, well, Like, but why? Like, I don't agree with that. And uh, we shouldn't be doing th- things this way. We should be doing this things uh, things this way. Um, you know, and um, I think that the transparency uh, is super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and also having the trust in each other that we can say things without offending each other. And um, I think like the the the, the sort of like, pitfall of every team is when it starts being political right yeah. and when you're starting to create teams and i mean i've been i've been there right when you start to create oh this this is my partner and you know if i support his deal yeah. he's going to support my deal next time like yeah, I you know you this is yeah exactly yeah. like it doesn't work and i think that uh we have you know i think that like there's some partners that tend to agree together about certain things a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Let's say they're a little bit more conservative in their yeah. approach. And there's some people who are a little bit more like visionary. And there's some people who prefer more focus. Uh, there's some people who want to like try new things uh, constantly. Um, but I wouldn't say like, you know, like me and this guy are like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, the, uh, it, it, I think that you always find your like little... Um, little opinion partner in every single thing and um and it's and it's amazing that doesn't mean um you know we we I, this, it's it's also great because every single ic that we have like i don't think in the um in let's say the year and something now 14 15 months that i've been with credo i really don't think there has been a consensus deal right <laughs> there hasn't been a deal that we've done where everyone would be like hell yeah let's do this like i have no concerns <laughs> um so and that's great i think um you know um i really enjoy this and i think that's the, it, it's super healthy yeah the respectable fighting yeah respectable and like um we're also very okay about admitting our mistake like mm-hmm. if i say something and then i rethink it and i'm like okay well that was stupid you know like we apologize like we come back and talk to each other and like, mm-hmm, I, you mm-hmm. know, want to pick up this topic again. Like, you know, let's, uh, and I think I agree with you now, whatever. So, um, yeah, I think the, dy- the dynamic, I'm enjoying it so much. It's, uh, it's great. Sounds, sounds nice. Sounds healthy. Have you ever used your, I think you guys call it sil- silver bullet, like that one of you can, uh, can pick a startup and even though that the others might not like it, you can still do your investment. I think it's in like, like early stages, mm-hmm. but I remember, uh, you guys having that, uh, you know, uh, vampire fighting silver bullets. So, <laughs> so uh, have you ever used yours? Uh, have I ever? I actually haven't. Uh, and the silver bullet is another topic of uh, of our discussions where oh. we don't ag- don't fully agree. Uh, so, here, what's right? your take? What's your take? <laughs> what's my take? Um, I mean, I think it's first of all, I think that regardless of my take, it's imp- it's important that we experiment uh, experiment about things, right? Mm-hmm. I think that without trying, we don't um, we don't figure out if it works or not. Um, I'm someone who tends to be more like, 
either I'm convinced or I'm not. Like mm. I don't want to be in the middle. Yeah, so um, you're like binary. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a little bit I'm a little bit binary. I like to if I like something, I'm like okay, I'm just gonna you know, like make a real investment. But um I will I will not put in like a couple hundred k for um you know, a not a sort of not a meaningful ownership. Mm-hmm. Although like some of these investments also worked out, right? Like you put in like a smaller check to test out the waters and then you, um, you know, you track the company mm-hmm. and and uh, you end up doubling down. Yeah. Uh, happened once. Um, so it's not like completely wrong. But then there's also a, a lot of uh, a lot of companies that we did put in the sort of like smaller check-in um, and, you know, it didn't work out. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the, the process that we have, and by the way, the silver bullet is kind of like flexible, right? It can be, uh, from my point of view, like it could be something where you, um, let's say, find a very ser- talented person uh, and they, you know, you could give them like a small, it's like almost like an ideation phase, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be a smaller, smaller check, but then actually you can also get, uh, even at, at a decent valuation, a, a meaningful ownership. Um, or you can even, let's say it's a non-consensus deal, but you're still super convinced about mm-hmm. it. Uh, you can use bigger amount from your allowance because every yeah. partner has sort of an allowance. I kind of thought that uh, this is the purpose of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that it is, yeah. it is, yeah. It's it's for, uh, it's for let's say, fast-tracking some deals. Not fast-tracking in a way to like sort of, you know, go around the IC, but mm-hmm. like if, if it's like a, you know, this sort of ideation phase, like what's there to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like you... you like there's Do so the many unknowns, about, right? Yeah. There's so many unknowns. So this is kind of like for this purpose of, of um, you know, trying some things out. And then, of course, it's also uh, about having the opportunity to, if you're really, really strongly convinced about something, to still have the ability to do it, right? Because not all consensus deals are the best ones. So I guess Especially when you guys don't have like uh, 100% consensus on any yeah, investment. True. Yes, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, to tackle a little bit about your history, you went from university directly to VC. Uh, would you recommend a similar fast-paced trajectory to, you know, now to, to those VC interested uh, alumni and students to go to to jump to the VC waters right from school? Or would you advise to gaining some uh, experience elsewhere? You know what? Like, I really don't know because <laughs> I think this is a, it's so personal. Uh, it's not like recommending mm-hmm. a pair of sneakers to someone, right? Uh, it's it's so individual. Um, if you think about, if you look at my career, like it wasn't, like I've already had at that point, even though I obviously did go theoretically right out of school into VC. I already had a four years of full-time of a relatively, you know, successful career in a completely different uh, space. Uh, And you could say, you know, that there's like very little, uh, like, let's say, connection or uh, alignment between modeling and, and, and VC. And yeah, potentially there isn't. On the other hand, like, it's been an experience that shaped me as a person quite a lot, right? So um, 
I'd say, like, my my take is that um, more diverse experience is always mm-hmm. better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, and, and the path can be, it, it, that can mean so many things in so many shapes, right? It can be like, you know, you finish school and you take more of the sort of standard path of, like, consulting, uh, investment banking, and then go into VC. It can also mean that you have, like, a completely different career before maybe you tried to start your own business or you did high-level sports mm-hmm. <laughs> or you did modeling, um, something, something completely unrelated. Your, yeah, something, something that, like... sharp the elbows. Yes, and, and, exactly. And, yeah. Something that, like, you know, shapes you a little bit as a human, gives you some sort of yeah. different perspective, gives you something. Um, and then you go into VC or you start in VC, like like my, my par- partner, Guillaume, um, he's, he, well, he did consulting before, but then he uh, came to Credo. He left uh, for two years or so, went into one of our portfolio companies and mm-hmm. then came, came back to Credo. Uh, and so... It can take so many, uh, so many forms. I, I've seen successful VCs who were never did anything else than VCs, uh, and I've seen bad VCs. Or I mean, I don't even know what bad or good means uh, because the feedback loop is so so of long. Uh, so it's super tough to actually, yeah, like quantify. Yeah, but you could you could subjectively sort of say like you know this is a great like uh, th- this person has a great take and they've never done anything else than VC and some of them you know, have done so many other things and still were bad, like, you know, yeah. so uh, I don't think that there is like a clear path and I wouldn't be able to give anyone a solid advice solid, on this. Yeah. I always remember Peter Lassinger saying that uh, his gastro experiences helped him. Uh, his what? Gastro experiences. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, <laughs> he has, apart from, you know, I don't know, what was it, business school? Not sure. But he is also a trained chef, uh, which was very unusual. And from my gastro experiences, that mm-hmm. is a definitely a place where you can sharp your elbows and, you know, become For a little sure. tougher and not get, um, not take stuff super personally because uh, mm-hmm. uh, stuff can get heated in the kitchen. Um, and let's let's talk what you did before uh, joining the, the VC because... Um, Uh, before you became an investor, uh, you were a top model um, and sometimes walking 21 fashion shows per week, which is crazy. <laughs> um, fashion and venture capital, neither of them su- super famous for being super friendly environment. So uh, which uh, one of uh, these two is more Darwinistic uh, in your opinion? Which one is tougher? Both of them. <laughs> Uh, for sure, both of them. Um, but I think it goes for um, for any career, any career where you want to do something mm-hmm. big, where you're where you have very high ambition, um, is going to be tough. And uh, although you can probably draw some parallels between modeling and NVC because it's very self driven, survival uh, of the fittest, survival of the fittest, <laughs> like. You know, what you put in, you get out. Um, no one really, like, tells you what to do. You have to figure out a lot mm-hmm. of things on your own. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a competitive sort of meritocratic uh, <clears throat> industry, both of them. Although in modeling, I would say a little bit less so because there's really? a huge, uh, yeah, uh, there's a huge component of, like, subjectiveness and people's taste, mm-hmm. right? I mean... 
you know, you can work your butt off, uh, you can be in the best shape of your life, you can show up and, uh, you know, try to dazzle people mm -hmm. and, you know, then they still you will not get the job because they were looking for a brunette <laughs> right? yeah. or something super, like that. Super, like, superficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something superficial, right? Or uh, so, yeah, I would say I would say there and that, that was actually something that I, I, I also always kind of scared me about the career, right? I like to work hard, but then also I want to see the uh, the results of it. And there I felt like I was a little bit, I was left a little bit at the mercy of, of you mercy, know, yeah. of, someone's call. Exactly, on someone's call or someone's opinion and, and you know. Um, was it ever like overwhelming? For sure, but I was young. <laughs> I feel like when you're, uh, I see, well, I mean, I started when I was 18. Uh, so I guess at that time uh, I was actually old, <laughs> almost. Um, sort of. <laughs> It's it's funny, but but I was older for sure. Um, thank God, though, because I finished high school and I had this sort of, you know, I, I did my SATs and I, I I lined up everything to sort of be able to then go to college when I want mm -hmm. to. I even applied and I uh, I was deferring. So um, so yeah, I was very young and uh, I kind of like didn't know what I was doing in some ways, right? Um, so it was it was overwhelming, 100%, but it was also exciting, tons of adrenaline. I loved challenges, so mm -hmm. uh, I took it as like, this is Mario Kart and I'm reaching the next level, yeah. right? Like, I finish all these castings and, and now what's next, week, you know? Yeah. And then Fashion Week, oh, I'm getting Chanel, great, and what else? Like, <laughs> you know, so um, wasn't it, it's like, exciting. Wasn't it ever mean? Uh, I mean, there's so much, I feel like, so much nonsense and, and so much, like, misunderstanding around model, uh, mm -hmm. around the fashion industry. Like, yes, some people are mean, but there's mean people everywhere. Okay. Uh, Definitely in VC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's mean people in VC. There's great people in VC. Um, and um, there's mean people in... The Czech Post, <laughs> and there's like nice people in the Czech Post, yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so it's a, it's, it is a, it is definitely like a tough industry. This sort of like idea that like girls undermine each other and you know yeah. cutting like heels or whatever, like that's nonsense. Like I have, but it so is. Where, many... where does it, this narrative come from? Because I also hear it quite a ton. I have some movies or something. Movies, I don't know, yeah. like or maybe. Or maybe I was really lucky. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible that I was really lucky and I always ended up around great people or mostly great people uh, or I had the opportunity to bond with great people. A lot of my best friends are still models, mm -hmm. right, are from modeling uh, years, uh, photographers. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm going to grab a coffee with my very good photographer friend here after mm -hmm. this. So, like, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still very sort of connected you know, I'm, I love my agency. I mean, there's always so many horror stories with uh, with agencies and how they, you know, true. push girls, yeah. whatever. I was probably very lucky because, of course, I was with Elite, which is one of the best agencies, mm -hmm. definitely, I would say, in Czech Republic as a sort of franchise also around Europe and, and the U.S. Uh, and so they were super professional, mm -hmm. worked even with my, not that I needed it so much because I wasn't 14, but, you know, were respectful of my family, of my parents, right? And um, and all of that never 
try to push me in some unhealthy directions. I pushed myself in unhealthy directions, mm-hmm. right? Because I felt like it was required from me. Uh, and I, w- I remember I would come to the agency and they were like, you look great, but stop losing weight, you know? Oh. Like, so, uh, so. And you were pushing yourself to lose weight? Yes, because, of, of yeah. course, because you, um, you know, I wanted to be good. I wanted mm-hmm. to be successful. Like I, and I was constantly surrounding, like I was constantly surrounded by the most gorgeous, skinniest, amazing women in the world. And you, everything's relative. Like mm-hmm. you look at yourself and, you know, she has longer legs and she has better hair and this and that. So, um, you know, you kind of put these like maybe weird, but these sort of like requirements on yourself. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I for sure, you know, made, like pushed myself in directions that were probably unnecessary, but I like, I, I did it. And I think my agency was a good, um, and did you stop yourself or did the agency stop you to push yourself to unhealthy directions or did your family intervene? No, I mean, I wouldn't say that I actually like that I was like clinically, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, having like, like that problems, bad, yeah. right? But um, uh, but yeah, they 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 always try to. I wouldn't say that they would try to intervene or something, but they would always sort of use positive reinforcement, just being like, "You look great. Like, don't worry about mm-hmm. this, right? Like, don't you know, you you have no issues. Like, don't push yourself. Blah blah." So. Yeah, I think that I um, I had mostly positive um, experiences, but I did hear some negative experiences yeah. from other girls, right? Different agencies, and within each agency, different booker uh, yeah. acts a little bit uh, differently. So for sure. And do you have this like um, this urge being good, being the best? Do you still have that urge in the venture capital as well? Or was that uh, mainly for modeling and acting? Uh, no, I have it still. Uh, I would say I still, I, I, I mostly have like a, like an imposter syndrome, which constantly mm-hmm. pushes you to try better, to, to, to try more, uh, to, to work on yourself because you're, you know, you almost feel like a fraud uh, sometimes. Right? You're there, you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, why are people listening to me? Like, uh, so, um, and I think it's healthy, uh, healthy, like a little bit of an imposter syndrome is healthy yeah. in, a, in a way because it pushes to some you, extent yeah. if you to feel you've succeeded extent, yeah. you've done everything you're great like no you one's better than you on yourself yeah, yeah you kind of you get a little comfortable so um no I, I i still have it i try to be also nice to myself you know and and spend time with my boyfriend and like focus a little bit more on like the people that matter to me right uh around me so um yeah that's sort of my approach <laughs> Um, you were not just a model, you were actress as well. And just this morning, I've seen you in the Matinee bottle water commercial, oh <laughs> where you pull that poor guy who just woke up up to the refrigerator and ask for orange flavored still water. Mm-hmm. I think it's red orange still water. Yes. Uh, so as you pull that guy uh, into a refrigerator, what pulled you into the fashion industry? <laughs> what was the most appealing part? Yeah, I'm sorry you found that one. No, no, <laughs> I'm no, not I love the actress. Let's I, put, I, I, let's I, establish it's that. It's actress. It's acting. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is acting, but I'm really bad at it. So and and it's okay. It's okay. You can be good at everything. But um, um, 
Yeah, sorry, I lost. I lost you actually. What was your question? No, no, no. <laughs> the question was uh, like, um, uh, what pulled you into the fashion industry? What was the most appealing oh. factor? Uh huh. It was rand. It was again quite random. Um, I would uh, so, <laughs> um, you know, life kind of uh, life kind of, you know, throws these little decisions that you make, and they mm-hmm. can totally change your life. Um, I actually. I was always very fo- like academically focused. Mm-hmm. I always was, you know, very good in school. Um, had these sort of ideas: I'm going to go to school, then to college, then you know, going to start my business or something like that. So I never really thought about um, being a model. I was always approached uh, by some agencies since I was. 12 or something because mm. uh, I was always this sort of like scary. lanky scary yeah yeah it is a, it is a little bit um and uh yeah I, I had the sort of uh you know kind of I guess look very skinny and and you know long everything um and um I never really wanted to do it we always kind of explored it my parents were like what is this contract? No way we would be signing something like this. Um, so you were protected. Uh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Thank God. Uh, my parents are incredible uh, in a way where they would always ov- obviously protect me and like look at these things. And thank God they also understand uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these things. So, you know, they could have an educated opinion of whether this is okay or not. Um, on the other hand, they were not sort of micromanaging parents. They left me mm-hmm. a lot of freedom to decide what I want to do with my life, and um, just gave you the chances. Yeah, and- gave me the gave me the opportunity to do. Uh, you know, t- if I want to push hard and and be good, then you know we're not gonna like stand above you and and uh, uh, and control your every every single move you make. Um, but uh, yeah, so I basically I I, I went to uh, a boarding school. So the the story mm-hmm. went from me being very academically focused and never really thinking about modeling. I went to a boarding school in England for a year mm-hmm. um, with the idea because I was already in an international school here, um, and I wanted to kind of fast track, um, fast track going to college uh, and finish. It was basically shorter in London, in England uh, by a year. Um, so I went to this boarding school, thought I was going to finish high school in, in the UK and then uh, go to college in the UK. Uh, but I ended up in this sort of relatively rural uh, British school. I really didn't enjoy the people. I didn't even enjoy actually the curriculum because A-levels in the in the UK are very mm-hmm. strange. Like you, you do only three subjects and you can kind of like take anything, including like art literature and you know there's like no real substance I really like the IB program that I did here mm-hmm. uh, so after a year I came back that decision um, basically allowed me to even start modeling because then after coming back <laughs> I was with one of my friends uh, in Smichov uh, and there was yeah, Elite's shopping mall, shopping mall um, and uh, there was Elite's Elite model look casting and you know, we kind of like passed it and my friend was like, ah, you should try it, you know. So I did it. I put it behind me. I didn't think about it. They called me. They were like, no, you're mm. in the final. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. And then I, this, uh, I, it wasn't actually Elite Model. It was one of the, one of their pre-competitions. Uh, and I ended up winning that competition and I ended up signing with Elite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was already 17, 
17, I think, um, that I did elite model look as well. And so, yeah, it was kind of like, it was a chance in a way, yeah. right? And I always kind of resisted it and good because I, I ended up at the right place at the right time with probably the best people uh, yeah. in the industry. So, like, uh, And it kind of seems that a lot of things in your life can happen somewhat random, like modeling and even the venture. I know that it wasn't like it, that you, it was the dream of you to join venture capital firm. So uh, have you ever thought about what would happen? What would be the second best uh, career choice? Yeah. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. Uh, I thought about it <laughs> because of course, it, also because of my imposter syndrome, I'm, I'm, I'm like, what if, what if they find out and they <laughs> fire me, you know? <laughs> um, so I'm like, what am I going to do then? <laughs> um, but, um, Yeah, you know, when I was when I was a kid, I wanted to be a like a tiger trainer in a circus. So maybe of I course, would go yeah. back to that. <laughs> no, I'm um, I'm joking. But my sister studies medicine, actually, uh, mm -hmm. in Charles University, um, and I mean, I I'm like super, I'm super proud of her, mm -hmm. uh, and it's like a job that I you know always look up to, and it is maybe something I always loved biology. So. Um, I feel it's a little too late to go to go back to medical school now. Never but, too um, late. Never too late. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, never too late. Um, but uh, next time you're gonna go be. to shopping mall, some you know, yeah. who knows <laughs> what can happen? <laughs> who knows? Yeah, maybe I'll be a surgeon eventually. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think medicine. Uh, if let's say I, you know, sort of re rewind, rewound from whatever, rewinded the time, <laughs> um, uh, could have been something that I that I enjoyed. Um, maybe starting my own business, mm -hmm. right? I think uh, I was always somehow pulled towards that. That's also why I chose um, VC in a way. Uh, of course, inspired by my da dad quite a lot. Um, so yeah, potentially starting my uh, my, my so something on my own. Uh, it would maybe not even be a VC backed business, but mm -hmm. it would be some business. Any. And don't want to maybe really a coffee shop <laughs> what is it by the way you mentioned your dad and I uh, heard you talking about that that because of your dad um, he was a Mark and Spencer lead and uh, he's the owner of Delmart right um, so what is the what is the most appealing thing when you're a kid and your dad is this you know big businessman what is the thing that uh, that caught your attention and it's where you decided oh I want to be that is it the calling the freedom I don't know. Being I think it's boss. like the the respect and admiration, yeah. right, that you get. I think it's uh uh you know, the idea that when you have your own business, like you have freedom uh and I think it's uh <laughs> it's a little naive. <laughs> I think that having your business is not freedom, like it's uh it's extremely hard. Uh I think the challenge uh and Even self-respect, I, I like sort of achieving, you know, things and it like gives me my own sort of confidence and self-respect. And I see a lot of uh, uh, that in people that build their own business. Um, yeah. And also the creativity, right? Mm -hmm. Having, uh, being able to like decide direction of something and like create something mm -hmm. from nothing. I think that's incredible. Um, leave something behind you, some sort of legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, I think that's that that's what really uh, really draws me to entrepreneurship. Your uh, the narrative of you know top model becoming an investor it's just it's, it's enormously appealing. So many headlines out of it, but does it sometimes bother you that it's like oversimplifying oversimplifying your career or your path, or do you take it like as it is and you know go with it? Oh, uh, I think that I, I had to, it took me some time to get a little bit, to, to get comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because of your imposter syndrome. Because of my <laughs> imposter syndrome, probably. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's what it is. Um, I, I'm super proud of uh, what I achieved in modeling. I think it's, uh, it's great in some ways, like, as I said uh, earlier, like it shaped me a lot as a, uh, as, as a person, as, as who I am. Um And uh, like everything is an opportunity cost, right? Maybe I would have had a little bit of a different skill set if I went, uh, if I let's say went into consulting for a while yeah. or something like that. Uh, but you know, if sir, like you know, this sort of what if, you know, who cares? Uh, we're here, um, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am comfortable with it myself. Uh, I definitely know that there's people who's who will, uh, who will judge, who will have some sort of preconceptions yeah. of uh, of what it is, right? Uh, who will um, doubt whether I'm here uh, for. Uh, oh yeah, so you are in because you are pe- <laughs> yeah you are here because you are pretty. Sure. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's gonna happen, but it's okay. I mean it's human uh, to have bias. Yeah, right. Is We it, all is it, isn't it? Don't you just want to say, "Oh, shut up! Look at my track record." <laughs> but I I still work on my track record. There's still so much ahead. So uh, yeah, maybe in 20 years I'll be like, "Shut up!" Like, shut up. Uh, <laughs> please let me be there. I want to see that. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that you were um, at the age of 12. You were approached by a modeling agency, which is crazy. I know that they often start at the age of 14. And you also mentioned that you think that it is you know, too, er- too early and then you're happy that you started at around the age 17, 18. Do you think that there is this mm, mental maturity even with the startup founders that maybe like uh, that there is a certain age when they're supposed to start and it might sometimes be too early for them? No, I don't think so. Mm. I actually think like it's... Uh, um. I think a lot of our courage and like views of the world are shaped so early in our life. Um, and also not trying, it's like skiing, right? It's so much easier to learn when you're yeah, small because like you have this, you know, you're brave and like, you know, you have no idea what can happen to you. So you just go for things. Uh, but it's much harder when you when you learn it later in your life. Because you have all these ideas that you're going to break your leg and whatever and what then. And I think that like, learning how to because i mean starting your own business is a lot of risk mm-hmm. right i mean and it's like you have to be open to failure uh yeah and and you have to be open to losing some of like your investment some money um and you know come back to your family and like accept that you failed uh mm-hmm. and uh, kind of face people with that so uh and i think that learning this in in early life um can really give you a lot of courage and and basically you can mm-hmm. you can see that it's okay right like nothing happens life goes on um 
And I kind of wished I was a, a little bit more like pushed into these things when I was when I was younger, because like maybe that's uh, why in some things in life I can be quite conservative. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I would definitely encourage people to, you know, to to try like build something really early on in their life. Same as skiing, if you fall, you don't fall from such a high place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, right? Yeah. Because when you're small or when, when you're a kid, you probably don't have much to lose besides your yes. pocket money. <laughs> so like, it's okay. You know, you get a new pocket money next month. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, my last question. Um, I don't know, but you just said that in some ways you are conservative. So let's find out how conservative you are with your cuisine because you travel a lot. <laughs> with you in your career you lived all over so what is the weirdest thing ever that you have eaten i jeez um uh i mean i try quite a bit of things maybe uh whale meat in iceland mm-hmm. <laughs> not nice actually or was it whale? yeah i think whale meat yeah it's actually not a really nice thing to think about mm-hmm. um Did I try, yeah, like some weird meat, right? Snails, all that stuff. I wouldn't say that there's been like that many crazy things. Whale and snail sounds pretty <laughs> crazy to me, to be honest. <laughs> didn't have any of those. I didn't try bugs or something like that. That like crickets, you know how people say they tried crickets. And it's, it's, that's haven't. very tasteful. That's, <laughs> really? Pr- okay. That's pure protein. That's tasteful. I'm, I'm up for it. I'll try it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you and have a really good journey, Carolina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.